Seeking for the help of the Lord, I ask your prayerful attention to Philippians chapter 2 and reading for our text verse 8 or part of verse 8. We'll read the whole verse. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And it is specifically the words he humbled himself that is upon my spirit this evening. The apostle writing to the Philippians gives a very concise summary of that which the Lord and Saviour did upon Calvary and did while he was here below. He does this in many of his letters. We think of how he does it when he writes to the uh, Corinthians in the 15th chapter. He declares unto them the gospel that I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand. And then he gives this description of what the Lord has done. I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then he speaks of the witnesses that were witness to that. And then he addresses the error amongst the Corinthian church of those that said that there was no resurrection. And so with the Philippians here, towards the beginning of that church was uh, the call to Macedonia, come over into Macedonia and help us. Lydia, the Philippine jailer, that was the beginning of the church that he writes to here. But he exhorts them to have the same mind that was in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives to them what that was. And in that giving, he gives them that summary of the Lord's coming, of his humiliation, of his death, of his exaltation, and the blessing that should follow. But it is this word, humbled himself, that uh, so arrested me as to think here is the God of heaven and of earth. Here is he that formed the heavens, that maintains them, that fills all things, and that he hum humbled himself. What grace and what amazing work is this, that God, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, should so do this. When we think of what fallen man is, really one word could summarise that, and that is pride. Fallen man, that is it a low position under the sentence of death, under the wrath of God, and yet man is filled with pride. In that position, he shakes his fist at God. He says, 
We will not have this man to reign over us. We are our own master. The very thought that another should control, should order his life, his ways, is abhorrent to him. He walks in the pride of his heart, priding himself in his own knowledge, his own understanding, his own supposed power and ability to master and order all things. It is the mark that is even found amongst the Lord's dear people. We think of when our Lord was on earth and his own disciples, he asked them, what was it that we were speaking of, disputing by the way? And they held their peace. They didn't want to answer. They knew what they were doing was wrong. And they were debating who was to be the greatest. The pride of man, the Lord addressed it. He set a little child before them. And he said to them, Whoso humbleth himself, even as this little child, the same shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. And so this is a, a, a vital point to us, to view what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, needed to do, that we might be delivered from our pride and truly exalted and blessed eternally. On to then... Look at this word in, in three points. And you would remember the word that Nebuchadnezzar said after the Lord dealt with him, those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. And so we want to look first at this word, he humbled himself, the Saviour's path, the path that the Saviour walked. Then secondly, he humbled himself the way that the saved have walked. In the Holy Word of God, there are those that have first been walking in pride, but the Lord humbled them and they humbled themselves and bowed before the Lord's hand. It was a path to blessing. And then thirdly, he humbled himself, a mark of grace. It will be a blessed thing if this word is used to describe us. He or she humbled himself. But firstly, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. With our Lord there was no reason, no cause in himself as God to be humbled. He has a right place in the pinnacle of all his creation. If man was made in the image of God, man was set over the works of God's own hands, how much more the Creator, who is over all blessed forevermore, has a rightful place as the King of kings and Lord of lords. There is nothing in all that he has done and said that he should ever be ashamed of, humbled for, bowed down for, 
he has a rightful claim to the praises, adoration of all men. The chief end of man is to glorify God, to enjoy him forever, that the command is that we are to extol him, to honour him, and to look upon him in the position that he rightly holds. Here, in this portion here, our Lord was exalted and given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. But before that, we read these words, he humbled himself. It's vital for us that we view in the Lord Jesus Christ what many of the Jews they did not see. They did not see his Godhead. They did not acknowledge him as God. They said that thou being a man makest thyself God, when the truth was that he being God made himself man. And it is absolutely vital for the Lord to work a salvation for his people and to deliver his people that he humble himself in this way. He was not only to redeem them, but he's also to provide a righteousness for them. However humbled we may be, God's people, however low they may be, they're not saved because of their humility. They're not saved because of what they have done. They're saved because of what Christ has done. We may have humility, but our Lord Jesus Christ had true humility, a voluntarily humility, the same as with his death. Our Lord Jesus Christ had no cause of death in himself. There was no reason that he should die. He was not under the law, bound to the law as a sinner to die. He was made under the law and by voluntary act he could die. He did die and lay down his life. But he did not have to. And the same with his humility. He did not have to humble himself for any cause in himself. But to redeem his people, he needed to. To redeem his people, he needed to lay down his life. He needed to be made low. He needed to go down to where they were. And he needed to humble himself. Now in this passage, there's described, we may say exactly how it was that he humbled himself. The first, which goes before, is actually being made of no reputation. In the first it was that he was in the form of God. He was truly God. But he made himself to not have any reputation. You might say the reputation he had at first was just that he was the son of the carpenter that he had no high standing in life at all. Later on, he did indeed have reputation for his the miracles and things that he did. But he humbled himself in that way to be a man, to be found just like those of his brethren, to be made like unto his brethren, but sin accepted, found in fashion, as a man, 
It's hard for us to comprehend that eternal God, that he should be contracted to a span, that he should be born of a virgin, that he should be subservient to his parents, that he should obey them, serve them, that he should be born under the law and subject to the law in the sacrifices that it demanded, in all that he was caused to walk through, those things he submitted himself to. We think of when he began his ministry, when he was baptised, John Baptist, he saw this. He says, I have need to be baptised of thee. But the Lord says, suffer it to be so now, that we might fulfil all righteousness. He had no need to be baptised, but he did so that he should fulfil all righteousness, he should be obedient, that he should walk this path for his dear people. John the Baptist then suffered him. He could see, and I hope we can see, that those things that he submitted to, that he walked in, was for his people, not for himself. He laid down his life, he suffered, the just for the unjust, to bring us unto God. It is so vital in this that those things that he was doing was to redeem his people, to save his people, to work a righteousness for them. It was not needed for himself. And we may say this before going on to, to look at those of his people, and we have already intimated it, that our humility does not help ourselves, let alone any others. We cannot impart it to others. It is not that which is our title to heaven, but yet a fruit and mark of grace. But with the Lord's humility, that is that which is imparted and of benefit and a blessing to his people. May we never look upon the Lord's life, his death and all that he suffered and think, well, that has nothing to do with me. There's no benefit to me. There's no merit that there shall come to me. But these things are done for his people. I lay down my life for the sheep his very name of Jesus, that he should save his people from their sins. And so he humbles himself in obedience to the Father, in obedience to his parents. He humbles himself, enduring the contradiction of sinners against himself. He humbles himself to be taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain. He humbles himself to walk in a path that many would have risen up with pride, risen up against and not suffered men to do that uh, to him. We think of 
when David was fleeing from Absalom. Uh, then there was Shimei that cast dust, that cursed. And Abishai, he said, let me go over and take off his head. He couldn't bear that David should, should suffer these things at the hand of this wicked man. But David's spirit let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. The natural part of man will not submit to being treated, maltreated, evil treated, especially when he feels that he doesn't deserve it. But our Lord Jesus Christ, pure, perfect, holy, had so many things cast in his teeth, walked in such a path, and yet humbled himself and became obedient right through to the hall of judgment, to being mocked, to being lashed, to being crucified and slain, humbling himself in a, a way that placed him with transgressors and numbered him with them. He humbled himself and never in any of that path rising up and acting as if this was not a path appointed. It was what he willingly did to come to redeem his people and to save his people. It's so opposite to what we would think. You know, in a natural way, if there was a nation or individuals that needed saving, you think, well, we want a, a good general, one that was of high reputation to come and deliver and save us, not someone that was humble, someone that was poor, someone that wasn't esteemed. Yet this is the way. God's way of salvation is very different than man's. When our Lord was to be taken in the Garden of Gethsemane and they took the sword, he said, put up thy sword in its sheath. The cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Thinkest thou not that I could presently pray my Father and he would give me twelve legion of angels? But how then? How then should the scriptures be fulfilled? His path was to be a low path, a humble path, submissive to the hand of God upon him. He hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He humbled himself. I hope that we can take away this evening that view of the Lord of glory, our Lord Jesus Christ, voluntarily, willingly, in love to his dear people, bringing himself down so low to lift up his people and to exalt them. And we may say, as he is brought low, so his people will be brought low. As he, through being brought low, was then exalted, 
so shall his people also be exalted. And I want to see this then in our second point. He humbled himself, and it is the path that some of the Lord's dear people have been noted to have walked and have gone before. And I just mentioned three kings of the uh, of Israel and or kings really of of Judah. Have the case of Rehoboam, and every time uh, we we find that humility is under the hand of God, under the chastening hand of God. Now we do know, of course, what has been said in Deuteronomy of the Lord's dealings with His people through the wilderness, that they should remember to humble thee, to make thee to know that God, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is the path of the Lord to bring down the proud hearts and looks of man and to humble him. And we see this that was wrought with, firstly, uh, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, the Lord was to rend from his hand uh, ten tribes. And at first he, he sought to bring them back again. And the Lord spoke to him. When the Lord blessed him, his heart lifted up in pride. But then uh, there was the prophet sent to him and reproved him. Ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. The Lord had dealt with them through uh, kings uh, that came up against Jerusalem, against Judah. Find this in 2 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 6. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. The Lord sees that humbling. He sees the bowing before him. He sees when a soul says, the Lord is righteous. When there is an acknowledgement of our sin and the adjustment of the Lord's dealings with us, Rehoboam was one that walked that path. If we then go on to chapter 32 in the same second of Chronicles, we find the case with Hezekiah. The Lord had blessed him appeared for him, delivered him out of the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria. But then he had not uh, returned according to the benefit that was shown him. He lifted up his hand in pride. Uh, king of Babylon had sent forth his uh, servants and Hezekiah had shown him all the glory of his kingdom uh, and so the prophet was sent to Hezekiah to reprove him 
of that. And we read then that notwithstanding Hezekiah, in verse 26, humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. The Lord's dear people, when they walk in pride, they've shown their sin. They've shown what they have done. They acknowledge their sin. They acknowledge the Lord's hand. They humble themselves before the Lord. And it is the path of deliverance, the path of blessing. We have the same with Manasseh, Hezekiah's son. And you think that king who reigned some 50 years and there was such a wicked king. In some of the accounts you don't read of any change to him at all. But you do in 2 Chronicles and chapter 33 and verse 12. We read that the Lord sent against Manasseh, the king of Assyria, he took him among the thorns, bound him with fetters, carried him to Babylon. And then we read, when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Truly, Nebuchadnezzar's word, he that walks in pride, God is able to abase. And he dealt with Manasseh in this way. And the way to blessing is a way of humbling. Now John Baptist, he said, I must decrease, he must increase. The path of salvation and a blessing for sinful, proud man is a path of being humble. This is seen just by this little sample of these three kings of Judah and how the Lord worked with them and blessed them as they were humbled. So I want then to look thirdly that he humbled himself is a mark of grace. It is that which is wrought in the people of God that they should do that. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was that that he did. With his people, it is much that which they do but not spring from their own heart. Not that which they can lay claim and say, look what I have done. I have walked a low path, a humble path. That would be really such a contradiction as if we were proud of what we've done. You know, it's a painful thing to be humble, to actually receive that blow. Many times in our lives, 
the Lord will use means to humble ourselves. There'll be real things that we've done, that we've said that we're ashamed of, that we've done that we're ashamed of, things that we've thought that we're ashamed of. And that will be, as that is shown us and open to us, a cause of great shame and humbling, like the publican who could not even lift up his eyes toward heaven, God be merciful to me, a sinner. We had just told his prayer, we have told his attitude, but what was in his mind? What was he viewing? What was he viewing of his sins? What was he feeling of how he was before God? This was evidenced by his humility, his actions, his very position. And it is grace that does that. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We're looking at our very text in the knowledge of him who humbled himself and became obedient unto death. If we grow in that knowledge, is a growing not upwards, not in esteem amongst men, but growing downward in humbleness as a little child, as submissive unto the Lord, as before his throne, he humbled himself. Many times we've Try to set before you marks of grace, marks of the Lord's work in a sinner's heart, the effects of having the Lord working in us to will and to do of his own good pleasure, beginning a work we've spoken of, being called by grace, being born again of the Spirit, being regenerated, being converted, all of these words are descriptive of God's work, God's beginning with a sinner. But here is another clear mark of grace. And yet in the one that is receiving it, as they are brought low and as they are humbled, they hardly could expect any blessing. They cannot think that the Lord would look upon them. They have no high thoughts of themselves. But those things that they see fill themselves with shame, with sorrow, with grief. And especially when the Holy Spirit brings before them the sufferings and death of our Lord Jesus Christ and says, this was done for you. This what the Lord did, what he endured, was because of your sin and your guilt and your path. When that is viewed, how humbling that is. And so it is a mark of God's grace. Here, Paul says to the Philippians, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In one sense then, it is a path that doesn't come automatically but yet is exhorted. And he sets this before the Philippians. Now we know that natural man, if he is exhorted, 
let this mind be in you. You say, I don't want that mind. I don't want humility. I don't want a low path. The Apostle says to those at Philippi, those that he loved, let this mind be in you. And he brings before them the Lord Jesus Christ. He was humble. You walk in that path. Don't walk in the path of pride. Don't walk in lifting up yourself amongst the brethren or before God. But be content in humbling and being low before the Lord and before your brethren. Where pride is, there'll be contention, there'll be sorrow, there'll be divisions. But where there's humility, then there is the grace of God. And then there is that harmony and peace amongst the brethren. And then there is a mark of this that comes not from man, that comes not from the fall, comes not from an old nature, but comes from the Lord Jesus Christ and is bestowed, is imparted, not to make that person as an automatum or that is forced to walk in this path, they walk in that path because the Lord has given them the grace of humility. They've heard his word. They've seen his example. They've seen his path. They've noted what the people of God have done in time past. And they follow and they walk in that path. We're exhorted in another place to try the spirits whether they are of God or no. Sometimes you might get very confused and think, well, we're not a great theologian. We cannot discern one doctrine to another, one teaching to another. But as a blessing, if the Lord gives us that spiritual discernment to try the spirits, and this spirit especially, is their pride, or is there humility? Has the Lord brought low and humbled this soul? Or are they still walking in pride? Try the spirits. And may we recognise where the Lord has indeed humbled us and brought us low before his feet. Job, he says, in all his great afflictions, is God that casteth down, not man. And Job was brought very low, but the end, the Lord lifted him up, extolled him, blessed him. May we, if we have walked a path of sorrow, suffering, humbling, look and wait upon the Lord to lift us up in due time, not envy those that walk in pride, but truly to be humbled before the Lord. He humbled himself. Well, the Lord bless us with this spirit, with this grace, with this mark of grace, and be pleased to show it to us, because I am sure of this, that those who truly have it if you were to ask them, are you a child of God? Are you one of his people? 
Should you walk in the paths of baptism? Should you put the Lord on in open profession with all that they have seen that has humbled them and brought them low? They would be very hesitant. But may there be that breaking through this evening and seeing that that which the Lord has done that has so humbled you and brought you low is actually his work, a mark of grace, that which is to be acknowledged that the Lord has done this. The Apostle Paul said, What I am, I am by the grace of God. The Apostle Paul, great as he was, he walked in a path of humility. He says, I am not meet to be an apostle because I persecuted the people of God, always having in mind what he once was. And the Lord kept him low, kept him humble, that no flesh might glory in his presence. He humbled himself. The Lord had his blessing. Amen.